Welcome to Tracklisting, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old soundtracks for some reason. This is Nick. This is Chris. And this is Caleb. And this week, I believe we have a pick from Chris. I don't know why I'm laughing already. Do I? Is it my pick? I think so. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I picked uh, 1995's Tank Girl. Woo! All right. Thank you, Chris. 1995. Thank you, Brian. You know, yeah, that's good. Uh, <laughs> Hot crowd. <laughs> Woo. 1995's Tank Girl. This is a movie that I definitely watched when I was young, mm-hmm, and it, it apparently didn't make much of an impression on me uh, because I rewatched it for this episode. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this movie's bananas. It's pretty bananas. <laughs> Uh, First of all, it's not a ch- not a children's movie. It is it turns not. Out. Uh, it is based on the comic book of the same name by um, Jamie Hewlett and Alan Martin. So Jamie Hewlett is a co-creator of the Gorillas, right? The, the, the yeah. visual component. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, <laughs> somebody went through a divorce and they were like flatmates, even though they're both famous people at some point, and yeah. then they created a. Uh, gorillas which is kind of cool yeah very cool and uh tank girls the 80s comic from uh, the uk which is this movie was based on and that i don't we'll get into it yeah we'll <laughs> get into it we'll i should say it, uh this movie is streaming for free on amazon prime i believe yeah, so everybody pause the episode uh call your neighbors and uh get together and watch this fucking <laughs> thing <laughs> go through what we're going through in our heads right now <laughs> we're gonna be talking about the movie a lot yeah uh but maybe we should jump into the first track yeah you guys want to hear track number one? Let's hear it. This is Stomp with Ripper Soul. I gotta say, so uh, this is not a chronological uh, soundtrack. Jumps around. We are fast forwarding to maybe one of the worst parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So should we talk about the Rippers now? Uh, uh, <laughs> shit, I don't know if we should. Maybe we should save until later. But uh, well, this song is pl- this is their uh, the Ripper ritual, I guess. <laughs> okay, there's some uh, some half human, half kangaroo. Uh, kangaroo. Say it. Um, <laughs> soldiers, uh, rogue soldiers, mm-hmm. who. Okay, this is this is a very Australian setting. Yes, it's it, post-apocalyptic, twenty thirty-three. It's a fight over water. You get, yeah, it's about water. It's in the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got half kangaroo people. This is very Mad Maxy era it is, of it the world. <laughs> does not feel very Australian. No, uh, there are maybe two or three speaking. Uh, characters who have australian accents and none, none of the kangaroos do yeah none of the kangaroos do which is interesting they all have like a a breck and meyer vibe to them well there's ice t and there's uh dt the other guy and then uh there's like the rest of them are all like there's the jazzy like burnout one. dudes there's, yeah. there's the beat the beat poetry uh yeah. saxophonist there's yeah. the horny one there's mm-hmm. the real dumb one don't i i don't like a like dumber than Forrest Gump, I'll say that. Yes, uh, booga, <laughs> booger, uh, which oh we, we got a lot to unpack. But um, should we talk about stomp? Let's talk, about, let's talk about stomp. Stomp, one of yeah. the most '90s things in the world. Have any of you seen Stomp? I've never seen Stomp, but I am 
a 10 year old me would have been pissed off that a 32 year old me had never seen stomp <laughs> you know what i mean like, you had the opportunity you Mickey, lived down the street from stomp Mickey, have you seen stomp i did see stomp yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I saw stomp in elementary school and nice. you know i was just like who are these people <laughs> like what lives do they lead <laughs> yeah. uh you know like at what point in your life do you decide that playing with a zippo lighter to the beat of a song is going to be your uh, your life's calling there's a guy in one of my improv classes, excuse me, a sketch class. Uh, sorry, edit that. Uh, <laughs> no, there's a guy in one of my sketch classes that uh, dropped out because he got um, he got stomp. And we I were mean, all very excited. He's okay. a percussionist. It and is he's like, okay, very steady work. Like, yeah. And there's, uh, Hell yeah, we were all so excited for it. Up until the COVID lockdown, and I, I don't know if it's still there, there is like a dedicated small theater in the East Village. The Orpheum Theater. It is just Stomp. Stomp 24-7. has been as long as I've lived in New York. Yeah. It started in the UK. It's yeah. the yeah, same yeah. kind of thing in the UK. There's a I dedicated there's, there's theater. There's one there and there's one here. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you guys seen Stomp on tour? It is the same. It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> the, the oh, hello, John Mulaney. It is the same. It's kind of interesting hearing like a produced Stomp song that yeah. they, I think, yeah. maybe made for this it movie. Like, it's, I think it's just a, it's just a regular Stomp song with a little didgeridoo added in. It kind of, it's very Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have yeah. to assume that somebody's just fucking stomping on a didgeridoo and somehow it's making that noise. It was such, so Courtney Love, who we'll talk about in a bit, she she um she helped put this uh yeah she's the music director she's the for music the director she helped put this all together uh, after she turned down one of the roles uh jack girl and i think she auditioned for tank girl as well uh, as history lore has it but oh, um, interesting i read something different about courtney love's experience that she wanted to play sub girl and she was scheduled to audition mm. and then the you know she ended up not going in because kurt cobain passed away oh during that time. okay she was cast as sub girl and then couldn't she do was it hoping to be yeah, i think that girl. she was cast as sub girl okay. that, that's the thing that i read but and it was to, yes okay. it was when uh when kurt uh tragically died mm-hmm. and then everything mm-hmm. fell through but she's still music directed the soundtrack which is the best part of the movie <laughs> it's true not gonna <laughs> disagree with you on that one <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to hear some track number two let's hear it this is bjork with army of me world's biggest bjork fan but uh that's a fucking jam i really like that song yeah i i'm hot and cold on bjork yeah um i never quite got into her but um i appreciate I, I think she's an amazing artist and i think you know as far as like her eccentric style i'm like ah what could what more could you want she's very I, unique i like some of the sugar cube stuff and i actually like a lot of her music it's like a it's a little impenetrable in the people that are Bjork fans are like huge fans and I'll never get to that point. But, uh, I like the fucking swan dress. Yeah. I'd wear that. <laughs> yeah. I'd wear the swan dress. <laughs> uh, I was, I just learned this today. Actually. Um, there was a concert that I saw from, uh, maybe like two or three years ago. It was at, uh, the wick 
in uh, Bushwick, which I closed as a direct result of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So sad, but uh, I was there with a buddy, and we were at a noise concert. Uh, Vessel, right? It was Vessel. Yeah. That's right. And uh, Bjork was there, and she was in the very front, and uh, my buddy turned to me and was like, that that looks like Bjork. And then he went up to her and was like, you look like Bjork. And she was like, I am Bjork. If yeah, if you catch her in the wild, she shrieks yeah. and then runs away. Yeah, she's <laughs> wandering around Bushwick going to noise concerts for a hot minute. <laughs> yeah, man. It's All right, so Bushwick, I, baby. Yeah. I just made a connection in my head, and and correct me if I'm wrong here. I could be fucked up. Hmm. I believe that Bjork is, or at least was, uh, married to Matthew Barney. Correct. For some point in time, I look at the wrong guy. Matthew Barney. Uh, installation performance artist and uh really really scary in his artwork crim master series it's a lot of um these kind of goat looking people performing very similar to like tugboats and shit and they look exactly like the rippers the mutant kangaroos from his wife's uh the the movie that his wife scored like years earlier before he did this (laughs) yeah there's some connective uh tissue there for sure he's been ripping off fucking tank girl he owes his entire (laughs) career to tank girl yeah man Oh man, this uh, this song was playing in the uh, Liquid Silver uh, strip club slash mall oh, house oh slash mall. It's, a, it's kind of a mall. Yeah, it's like yeah. an indoor like plaza. <laughs> <laughs> I read something. Okay, this is a movie that um, bombed. Yeah, I mean, I think a production budget of maybe twenty five million dollars. Box office disaster. I think maybe when it was all said and done, it brought in uh, maybe four million off of its uh, twenty five million production, mm-hmm. and then, like. That, of course, doesn't take into account uh, advertising, but... Uh, it was opening up against Tommy Boy in that same <laughs> week, yeah. and I think it also, you know, the MPAA slapping it with a rated R rating. A- apparently, they were saying that, like, if, if it had been a male lead, they think it would have gotten a PG-13 rating, which would have helped, uh, you know, people were apparently... Know, it seems like an R. There's a lot of boobs in it. There's a, like... She it's has a, sex with a kangaroo. It could like, have been, yeah, there's it, some bestiality going on. It could have been cut differently. It could easily right. have been a PG-13, but they didn't seem like they're aiming for that. I, I'm glad it wasn't a PG-13. I think I think the uh, I think there's a lot of things wrong with this movie. Uh, I, I've heard like some terrible uh, production nightmare stories. I think it that ton of studio interference. They basically like stole the movie away from the uh, editor. Well, the that's what I, I wanted to bring up that there, there's been a lot of um, kind of interviews where people involved in the movie have said that the studio really fucked it up by like cutting down certain parts. And one of the parts that they <laughs> apparently this musical number at the uh, terrible strip club. Well, there's a, there's a second uh, big song in the strip club that we'll yeah, get to. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to, to, but apparently there, there's a big musical number mm-hmm. that uh, to my mind is by far the worst part of the movie. Yeah. And one of the big complaints of the people involved creatively in this film is that the studio cut it down. Cut it down. <laughs> yeah. It was way long. And it's long. It's real. It's so like seven long. minutes, and they whittled it down, apparently. Oh, I think God. when the studio originally decided to take on the movie, it was MGM, mm-hmm. and um, they, because they had the biggest offer on the table. And then as the movie was getting worked on, the, the head of MGM left. Mm-hmm. And then they were dealing with a new head when they were trying to release this. And the original guy championed the movie, but the new executive Just didn't get understand it. it. And I can sympathize with him because I don't get this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I think it has, fa- it's a cult classic for sure nowadays and it's found its audience. And, uh, uh, you know, I think 
Rebecca Buck, Tank Girl, uh, Lori Petty. She uh, she's like a feminist, you know, and it's like a big like in your face, give you the finger, like whatever. I don't care. It's a man's world. Like fuck you, you know. Like that's cool. I yeah. like that. Very Gen X, like you know, shaved head. A woman with a shaved head was crazy in the nineties. Like you got a Gwen Stefani stole everything <laughs> from Tang Girl. It's so oh, obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they obviously leaned into it. I think. Yeah. I have Lori Petty. I like quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. League of League of Their Own. One mm-hmm. of it's like mm-hmm. great movie. Orange is the New Black. Uh, Point Break. She's a little bit of a third wheel in that love story, but uh, she's in Point Break. This uh, they definitely gave her a long leash in this, and you think she hung herself? With this? She was ad libbing most of the movie. <laughs> it's like they're they're leaning very hard on like a personality that doesn't. It seems very grating to me, and yes. it also kind of seems like it was punched up by like Benny Hill. Like it's, I don't know what era it belongs to. It's supposed to be in the future, but there's a lot of like contemporaneous references that aren't even really con- contemporaneous. They're like uh, '70s references. I and think she needs a British accent. I think it would help. Or Australian, a bit. maybe or if Australian. there was a couple Australian people yeah. in this. Like you got Naomi Watts, and that's about it. Well, like I wish it were more like. Um, Yolandi from Die Antwerp. Like yeah, I know, yeah. they're, so they're doing a reboot, and I think Margot Robbie has like the rights to it, or she purchased it. And I, I wanted to like Yolandi's a tough broad, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And like, and I, I, she's really punk rock. And it I, seems I would like yeah, it. there is a kind of crazy a energy, a, a sincere ca- crazy energy there that would. This is okay. I I think that Tank Girl is a little bit of a precursor. It's like a bad version of the uh, like Suicide Squad. Yeah, Harley, like Harley Quinn, Quinn sort of vibe. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Everything. But I think she, she I think she's definitely like she laid down on the barbed wire for a lot of these uh, for a lot of these people. <laughs> how many <laughs> run across her back? How many different hairstyles do you think Lori Petty had in this film? I think it was something like twenty four. <laughs> Keep going. 36. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, yeah, in the 30s somewhere? It was 38. <laughs> oh, 38 hairstyles. Well, like... I don't mind that, but there's a lot of... <laughs> I I read some interviews uh, with the comic creator, yes. and there was a lot of... In, in my research, it seemed like a lot of people were complaining about this movie for years and years that were involved, and some of their stories maybe overlap and contradict. Uh, but it, <laughs> there was a few statements where... I have to take him at face value. Who was like, yeah, there were some parts of the movie that they just forgot to film and we had to animate it. Yeah. Apparently they, they forgot to film 10 scenes or so that were major scenes or, or just like they just didn't film it or they got lost or something. And so they animated it. And there's like various levels of animation. There's a mm-hmm. big part at the end of the movie that's like fully animated and it's kind of cool. But then there's some parts where they're just kind of like zooming in on like parts of the comic book that fill in a lot of the story. Yeah. This movie makes zero sense. <laughs> Yeah, we were joking. It uh, it manages to be insane and boring at the same time, which is which is a feat to be crazy and boring. It's very difficult. Oh my god, Nikki, what do we got next? Should we hear some of track three? <laughs> yeah, sure. This is Devo with "Girl You Want."
Yeah, man. This is um, off of their 80s album, like the one with Whip It, mm-hmm. kind of their big, uh, maybe not their best album, but their breakthrough album in the 80s. And I really like the song. This is not the song, the version of the song that's in the movie. There's a there's a female vocalist in the, yeah, in the yeah. version of the movie. It goes in the very beginning. There's like a, an animated sequence that you're talking about. But it is, it's, it's slower than the original version too, though. And Devo got back together reunited 95 to record this sort of slowed down version with the female vocalist i hope i'm saying her name right but uh jula bell from bulimia banquet oh everybody yeah Yeah. (laughs) i was reading some story that the director shared that this devo song was the one of the first big arguments that she had with the studio where one of the male executives was not a fan of the singer's voice I guess in the original and like wanted something that was going to be more lyrical <laughs> and like less David Byrne kind of, you know, vocal treatment. I want Devo, but, le- but less Mark le- Mothersbaugh. Yeah, you're like, well, don't get Devo, get somebody yeah. else, man. We've talked about Mark Mothersbaugh on many episodes of track listing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say probably 33% of all episodes we bring up Mark Mothersbaugh. Yeah, yeah. He's done most of the like Wes Anderson movies and uh, he composed the original Rugrats theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is playing in the opening sequence, and Caleb was talking about how they forgot to film a few things, so they just... Well, I, so I thought that was a cool thing, that they kind of switched back and forth from, like, cartoon world, comic book world, and I thought it was effective in some ways, but, um, you know, if you're just filling in the gaps, it doesn't really help, and <laughs> I was in that show um, on Netflix... Uh, the Boz Lerman thing, uh, the get down. Oh yeah. I, I'm in the background for like half a second <laughs> in like two episodes. And, uh, apparently, yeah, they went so over budget. They just like started animating a few things. They're just like, <laughs> just throw in. And like, you watch the show and you're like, what is this cartoon in the middle of no, like it does not fit. So at least they had like the backup, like, Oh, well it's a comic book. So we could just throw in some, you know, crazy special effects here and there. But, I mean, like, they could have embraced it a little, uh, you know, a little bit more. Like, she gets hit, and then, like, the zap, pow, sort yeah. of thing. Which okay. happens I don't I don't mind if they're animated chunks, you know. That's, that's, like, very effective in a lot of movies, say, like, Kill Bill and, and movies like that. But uh, this is, like, a lot of parts, they're not just animated. They're, they're just frames from maybe pre-existing comics. And some yes. of them don't even, like, the character design doesn't line up because it was obviously, like... The original characters which look different or have like different uh, things going on yeah and they're just <laughs> i mean this movie put the uh the director i hope her, i hope i'm saying her name correctly rachel talalay talalay kind of put her in director you know in the jailhouse yeah. for a while i mean she later had success with directing things for tv like uh doctor who sherlock <laughs> sherlock but yeah, this definitely uh, ruined her career for a little while. Yeah, I think she may have uh, been in a little bit over her head with this. But uh, she said that, you know, when she would go to uh, Doctor Who conventions, that uh, fans would come up and, you know, confess their love of Tank Girl. Yeah, people love this comic and book. And she was kind of like, oh, okay, like, this is more of a cult classic than I realize. Yes, yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes that is better you know and then mm-hmm. making like a decent film that people is is forgettable but it gets you another job like at least you're you have this legend behind you but oh yeah it, it's definitely better <laughs> it's sometimes it's better i'm trying to see the bright side you know but uh yeah i, th- I think tank girl is one of those th- I don't, if you guys are familiar with american splendor like different artists came oh, in yeah. and, and animated harvey p car in different ways and i think that was sort of the same deal with tank girl but they use all those like different 
iterations of the character over the years in the the stills. So you're like, she's a different human being in a lot of these, but it's, it's very strange. This is, uh, there are certain movies where you hear that um, that a studio kind of rat fucked it, and then maybe a version will come out later where you're like, oh, this is a lot better, or you'll just hear like, you know, uh, I remember there was. Uh, there was like the most recent terrible Fantastic Four movie was like famously scrapped halfway through and like reshot a bunch. And when you when you watch the version that came out, one of the characters has like uh, hair that's a certain way. Most movie when they came back, they had to put a wig on her, yeah. so you'll know like when she's wearing this awful wig that it's like a new scene. It's like, yeah. So it was very discon. And then like you're trying to like piece together what the actual movie is, and you're kind of like maybe there was a good movie in there. I don't know. I don't think so, but maybe this is not. I've like I watched this movie forensically. There is not a good movie hidden inside this movie. Correct. There was there's a zero chance, no matter how supportive this fucking studio would be. <laughs> I kind of was thinking the same thing while watching it. You know, it's like maybe there's something good in here. And then the first time that you see Ice T is a mutant kangaroo. Yeah. It's like this movie cannot be saved from itself. Yeah. I do uh, I'm not gonna say that Ice T is a mutant kangaroo is the best part of this movie. But I will put him in top five best parts of the movie. Maybe be, I like Malcolm McDowell quite a bit. Malcolm McDowell, I mean, he is doing that role correctly. Yes. <laughs> For better or worse, he's, right. he's doing his job and he's crushing it. It's a terrible job. Uh, I, I do think it's funny how Ice-T is the only kangaroo creature that like you're like oh yeah that's ice tea like he still he still looks like ice tea i kind of said to myself the same thing i say every time i see ice tea in something i just go yeah ice yeah ice all right man but now i look at ice tea's face and i'm like he's got some kangaroos so which came first the the ice tea or the kangaroo and then the eternal question people have given him shit about that role and uh he's shut them down by being like they gave me $800,000 to do that kangaroo thing. And they're like, okay, <laughs> like that's <laughs> good yeah. enough. Good I saw enough. that quote too. And I, I think that he, I think he was maybe fudging the numbers a little bit because <laughs> he also contributed to the soundtrack. And I don't know. Ooh, how many, like, interesting. I might've wow. been part of the same pool. Spoiler alert. Cause like, uh, yeah, yeah. But I did like, if go going back to the first track when the, uh, <laughs> when all the stupid fucking half kangaroo men were dancing around, Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one kangaroo who wasn't dancing. It was a very grumpy looking iced tea sitting in the corner. Arms folded. I have to feel like <laughs> he just kind of on the day refused. Yeah. Ears down, arms folded. <laughs> he was this would have been a nightmare movie to work on. <laughs> Especially it was like filmed for a large part of it in the desert in Arizona. Yeah. It's just like 100 degree heat with that full kangaroo <laughs> costume on yeah no joke those poor and like it also had like servos connected to it so yeah. for each kangaroo oh yeah there was someone that ran the tail there was someone that ran the ears yeah. so you get this big group of kangaroos and you've got 30 or 40 people mm-hmm. controlling their ears and their tail and everyone's just like dying in the desert those oh, dumb God. motherfucking kangaroos are a miracle of modern science well it's so strange okay did you guys ever see warriors of virtue no Mm-mm. it was a 1997 movie that also had anthropomorphic <laughs> kangaroos and they look so sim- like they look insanely similar to the kangaroos in Tank Girl but it was a few years later and like that movie like the bad guy in that movie is like the Robert the Bruce guy from Braveheart uh, and it's like a kid with like a bad leg gets transported to another realm where there's like anthropomorphic creatures but the kangaroos are like earth wind fire steel whatever and I, I can't believe there's two movies. Two, so I'm like, do they use the same suits? They're different suits, but they're close enough. That, mm-hmm. nah, that's 
All I'm going to say is that Matthew Barney's shitty fucking uh, goat ears are going to be in the Metropolitan Museum of Art for decades, for centuries. That's some, uh, and right. nobody's going to be watching Tank Girl. That's a terrible movie that did it first. <laughs> track listings uh, recommended family holiday uh, movie is to watch the Cree Master series yeah, yeah. <laughs> by Matthew Barney. You guys want to hear some track four? Let's Please. do it. Magnificent Bastards with Mockingbird Girl. Magnificent Bastards. This is uh, Scott Weiland's um, I don't side know too project. much about this band. This is the lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots. Pilots. Yeah. It's funny, growing up, I always kind of, I always had Scott Weiland and Chris Cornell kind of uh, as like an 1A, 1B, or maybe 2A, if it be. It's kind of like a grunge, like falsetto vocalist. Yeah. And I kind of like held them in the same regard. And as an adult, I can tell you that one has, has risen in my estimation and one has... Um, has dipped pretty low, even though they both tragically passed away. Who's who's who? Who's better? Who's better? <laughs> Chris Cornell. We uh, go back and listen to last week's episode. Yeah. We did single soundtrack, and Chris Cornell is fucking pretty badass. And uh, and this is like pretty. This is not late uh, Scott Weiland, and mm-hmm. this is pretty pretty he, swampy. <laughs> he should be doing better than he is at this point. Yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. very popular. Stuntable pilots are like still in a meteoric rise. <laughs> um, <laughs> But man, that uh, that guttural like just hurt my throat. I just I had to clear my throat hearing the like it's just damaging to you. You can't. It's not sustainable, Scott. It's not sustainable. I think this movie and the soundtrack just recently celebrated their 25th anniversary. That's correct. Yeah. Congratulations, correct. guys. Congratulations <laughs> on this crazy ass movie, Nikki. How do you feel about the uh, Chris Cornell Scott Weiland dichotomy? I feel like when I was younger, I never really. I was kind of the same way. It kind of just all was the same band to me yeah pearl jam was Soundgarden, <laughs> was stone temple pilots mm-hmm. but after you know talking about chris cornell extensively in our last uh episode for singles i think he's definitely or i think maybe chris mentioned this but it was your favorite singer of that period and i, I think, I, I, think so. I agree yeah. with that i think he's the strongest um great vocalist yeah and i think just like talent wise um and uh, anyway we can talk about chris all day but let's talk about Scott, Scott and this, and this mean, song, Magnificent Bastards. Uh, there are some videos of Scott Weiland performing uh, in recent years that are pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. What's what's happening? <laughs> oh, I think there's... Is it's it, a real it, boozy Susie. Oh. Is there a video that I'm thinking of that's correct? It's like, there's a video of him performing in like a semi-small club, and it's the worst vocal delivery of a song <laughs> I think I've ever heard and you know like his people came out after the show and blamed it on the uh, like he had a bad in-ear monitor mix or something yeah but I, I think it's just an excuse it's it's one of the worst I think things we're I've talking about heard. the same Scott Weiland yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that the same There's Scott a couple, Weiland yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's that's such a great move is uh, if you're 
drunk and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he can't even be understood. You just take it out on the sound guy. Who's <laughs> like, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I mean, at least he tried. Yeah. I mean, there was that like famous clip of Mariah Carey. I think it was from like New Year's. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, oh, I actually really like that clip. It's obviously like lip, lip syncing to the music yeah. and the track gets messed up or her in-ear monitors get messed up and she kind of just walks off the stage for a minute and she tries to come back and it still doesn't work. And then she just kind of stops and is like standing there and you hear her voice singing and she's just kind of shrugging. <laughs> it's like, what do you want? <laughs> pretty insane. Oh man, this is the, uh, the third uh, song in the in the credits. Oh shit! Which three, it's a long three credit credits sequence. Song. Well, one of the songs stops pretty quickly into it, and then we get into a reprieve of uh, Ice T, and then this song comes in. <laughs> we uh, might be the only people alive that actually uh, heard this song in the movie. Yeah, I don't think yeah. anybody stuck around. Stuck for around that long. <laughs> uh, I thought there was going to be a post credit sequence. <laughs> um, you know, it's a, a blooper, comic bloomer kangaroo reel. Bloomer reel. <laughs> Um, I, I might forget about it, but, um, so there was an alternate ending, uh, that I have seen. I saw the, uh, (laughs) the edited footage, um, that makes, (laughs) makes a lot more sense, but is, it's, it's not good. You're right. Like it's, you're like, oh, this would have made everything. So throughout the movie, there's this guy named Johnny Prophet that is talked about. Yeah. Who just shows up in a coffin, like maybe 20 minutes after he's first mentioned like you keep hearing about him like you're trying to remember did i actually meet this person earlier is this wait is that the bad guy's name because you don't really like what is the bad guy's name everyone's talking about it as if you are supposed you you already know who he is and And you're like i don't know who this person yeah and then like maybe you're gonna meet him later no no it's just a corpse in a box (laughs) and then you're like okay there was that guy but apparently johnny prophet was talking about it raining a lot yeah and then like in the alternate ending it does rain and you're like oh yeah it's it's insane that they made all this foreshadowing to like in one day it'll rain and then it just doesn't (laughs) (laughs) they say it like seven times in the movie and like and the rains will come and it will like like i guess it's been like 11 years since the last rain but they keep talking about like the rains will come and then it doesn't happen and then the the movie just fucking ends and then you're like okay whatever but um in the alternate ending it's still it's still bad it looks like a friggin' blooper reel but um but at least it rains so it it, it makes some sort of sense all right dicky what do we got next let's jump into track number five this is l7 with shove seven making their first appearance on track listing yeah certainly from the grunge era that we talked about in our last episode uh signed to sub pop records mm-hmm. yeah and um i was reading about this story I, I hadn't heard this before they were playing the 1992 reading festival and the band was experiencing technical difficulties with their equipment and were forced to pause their set and the crowd was not pleased they began throwing mud on the stage nice 
And uh, in protest, the lead vocalist, uh, Danita Sparks, removed her tampon on stage and threw it into the crowd yelling, eat my used tampon, fuckers. And they've remained unapologetic about the <laughs> incident. And the uh, the tampon has been referred to as one of the most unsanitary pieces of uh, rock memorabilia yeah. in yeah. history. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. I remember I, L7 from when I was growing up. They had like a couple of alternative radio hits. I, I remember hearing about that instant in like the 25 most, or like some like VH1, like 25 most rock and roll moments ever. And mm-hmm. it was like, you know, number 17 was... L7 throwing your tan. Pretty insane. Yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm down. It's very rock and roll. All girl band. Yeah. yeah. You know? I'm always down with bands abusing festival crowds. Mm-hmm. I have no respect mm-hmm. for a festival crowd. Oh, man. After the Mud Monsters uh, took over, like when, was it Woodstock in the 90s? It was the Woodstock 2000 Woodstock was, was the real ugly one. Every Woodstock has been a nightmare to some degree. <laughs> mud <laughs> Monsters <laughs> just rolling around in the rain. Ugh. Uh, yeah, this, I, I remember like the one part of uh, L7 trivia that I read in preparation for this that I didn't know growing up was that, oh, this is, as I'm saying this, I realize that it's not interesting, but it's uh, the name comes, it's it's like the shape of a square. Yeah, L7 weenie <laughs> square, <laughs> you know what I mean? If yeah. you do L7, you're a square, you're I a like loser. Uh, this is not my favorite <laughs> L7 song, but I, I like the sound. I think it. I think it's perfect for the soundtrack. Yeah, this is uh, when Tank Girl uh, teams up with Naomi Watts, and uh, she finally gets her tank uh, for the first time. This is a, a Ripper attack has happened, and it allows you know Naomi and Tank Girl to team up. Jet Girl is who yeah. Naomi Watts is. I uh, I like Naomi Watts. Australian yeah. actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she wasn't really known before this movie. Oh. She had done stuff like abroad, but this was like her this first her big first American national movie. God, she's so bad in this. She's really bad. She's uh, and she's a, but she's a fantastic actress. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was like surprised at how um, stiff she seems. <laughs> it's terrible. Apparently, she's really ashamed of this movie. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> quoted, I'm ashamed of this movie. Yeah, the director said she was pretty shy, you mm-hmm. know, with this being her. It was the first time she had been on like a big American set or something like that. And, you know, when they were like lighting scenes, uh, you, they would always find her in the darkest place in the set. Yeah. <laughs> she was literally like hiding behind Lori yeah. Petty. Most of the right. movie. I don't um, know if she was shy or she just had like a good look at the script. I don't know. <laughs> just like, just, I don't, uh, don't want to be here. <laughs> um, yeah. She auditioned like, uh, seven or eight or nine times for the role, which is crazy. Which, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. She had, not, I think it was nine. Um, it was nine auditions. A lot of, uh, a lot of people were almost jet girl. So, it was interesting i think that was a very sought after a ton of uh, a ton of women in hollywood went out for uh, tank girl and that's Jet what girl makes and, uh, that's what makes this movie so bog- mind-boggling is yeah. that i read that it's like yeah she was like having to deal with this like studio process for so long to get the part and when you watch it it seems like a movie that was made on accident yeah. uh in like somebody's back lot it seems like some sort of like ed wood fucking movie well i mean like pre-2000s comic book movies no one knew how they were going to really shake out i think i mean batman fucking existed yeah, the but, ba- Batman's. But, but batman sort of laid the the road for like oh this is the only way you can do it is it has to be a gritty real version of this comic i don't know i think you probably batman like, forever it already happened <laughs> or no actually maybe not before this but uh uh no batman forever was 97 uh, uh yeah this seems this seems older than 95 this seems like a like an maybe 87 style when you see like the effects and everything is happening this yeah. is like a 
bad looking movie. I did see that the um, the movie's production designer was uh, Catherine Hardwick, mm-hmm. who was the director of Twilight. Twilight. That's right. <laughs> Great connection. Connecting yeah. it all. It's it's all uh, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. In here. Also, the movie has <laughs> six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Stan Winston, who's the amazing. Uh, visual effects artist who did uh, Terminator and Jurassic Park and yeah. Aliens. He was their first pick uh, yeah. for the Rippers and they were like, we'll never get him, but like, let's just ask. And they're like, no, we got him. We he got did him. it. He <laughs> really did, he did it on the sheet. Yeah. I'll say there are... He loved it. When it comes to the Rippers, there's a ton of uh, cables yeah. uh, that were not like CGI'd out. <laughs> a lot of visible cable there's work. so many... It's like I was watching fucking uh, Spider-Man turn out the dark. Yeah. It, it was, you really felt like you were on set. Yeah. I don't know where the visual effects were at in 1995, but they um, originally Tank Girl's bedroom uh, was decorated and covered in dildos, and it offended the male executives. They were it scared them, and you know the director was saying like these days we could have just you know CGI those out or blurred them out or something, but instead they just had to like cut these huge chunks out. Yeah, they cut that whole scene. Yeah, this uh, movie terrified the executives. It makes that makes sense, um, but you know, like paving, as I said, paving a way for like you know in your face like feminism, like kick butt feminism stuff. I think that's it's. She's been sort of a, a banner poster child, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm against studio interference as much as the next guy, but there is no amount of dildos that we're going to save this movie. That's true. That's true. You're like, oh, if only these, <laughs> if only these studios had got yeah. out of the way and just made it. There could have been 45 minutes of dildos, and I think I would still be pretty down on this film. Uh, Nikki, what do we got next? We are coming into track number six. This is Hole with Drowned Soda. Apparently, Courtney Love um, had strong opinions about what this soundtrack should be and was sending uh, mixtapes to the director and uh, napkins that she jotted down ideas on. How do we think she's doing so far with constructing this soundtrack to Tank Girl? I think she's fucking killing it. I think that if anybody should have been listened to in the construction of this film, it should have been Courtney Love and probably whoever else was had the creative input maybe turn that down if she had been subgirl maybe this could have saved the movie <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. maybe oh man speaking of subgirl she's in the ending <laughs> she's in the alternate ending uh, yeah. with the working uh, apparently she got cut out of it a lot yeah it's so it's ann cusack yeah it's um, one of the other cusacks oh, the other cusack and she's yeah like the the least powerful cusack um <laughs> There's like five Cusacks. Yeah, Jones, there's John. More, there's more than you think. There's like there's like three more Cusacks out there. Mm, okay. Everyone knows it's like Joan. the Baldwins. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Way too many. Uh, but, she's, uh, you might remember from the scene where they go into a weird gift shop. Even though this is, seems like uh, a world without currency. Yeah. Um, and water 
and power. Yeah. We should say that those are the uh, precious resources. The in water, this yeah. yeah. Water and power is the, the name of the evil corporation. I do yeah. like that part. But yeah. anyway, sorry, yeah. go on about Subgirl. No, it's it's Anne Cusack, and she's in like one scene, and it, it like they should have just cut the whole scene. It doesn't make any sense, and they call her Rain Lady, I guess she's credited as, but originally she was Subgirl. Uh, mm-hmm. who is a big part in the comic and has like a land sub that goes under, you know, underground. Um, but they cut the ending and the original ending, she just shows back up like in the power plant. Uh, the, the, the ending that you'll see is very abrupt. And then yeah. it, like, they're like, we did it. And then it cuts to a cartoon and then it's over. And I was like, very shocked. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, it's, oh, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a ton is resolved. I mean, mm-hmm. they killed the bad guy, but it's a lot of work to do. <laughs> Again, I will say that no, no number of sub girls or helicopter girls <laughs> right, or right. parachute girls or I don't know. I'm just saying it's a very different <laughs> movie. I'm not saying it would have saved it. I'm just saying it exists. I mean, what could have saved the movie that I may say, I'm going to save it for after the break. Okay. But, okay. Uh, but stay tuned for a special. Oh. <laughs> a special Chris has little, a plan yeah. to save Tank Girl. <laughs> to save Tank Girl. <laughs> There's a special scene that was cut that uh, the studio spent $5,000 on a prosthetic something. Oh, yeah. I know, I know what you're talking <laughs> about. Oh, yeah. Well, let's hear a little bit of track seven. Yeah. yeah. This is Bush with Bomb. remember uh a few episodes we were ago we were having a debate about like the the worst band in the world mm-hmm. uh lineage and mm-hmm. there there's a pretty uh accepted uh <laughs> recent history of the worst band in the world where it goes uh creed to uh nickelback to imagine dragons mm-hmm and uh the thing we were trying to figure out is like if you try to work backwards who was right. the band before, before creed? creed and one of our listeners yonzi uh he, he he posited that Bush was the the worst band before Creed. Oh no! Which I don't believe because I first of all I don't think that they were big enough, and also I kind of like Sixteen Stone. Or maybe I, it was the age that I was. Glycerine, come on! Yeah, yeah. You don't like Glycerine? Machine Head, come yeah. on. Gavin uh, Rossdale of Bush, uh, I saw was in the news recently. He was um, sharing a story about the late Eddie Van Halen, uh, who he loved very much, and the story that he told it was that I. Uh, he was at someone's house for dinner and uh, Eddie Van Halen was a guest and, you know, he was sat right next to him for dinner and said Eddie was a total sweetheart, but he had his guitar and his amp with him uh, and basically sat and soloed through the entire meal. (laughs) What? Which is, I mean, it's such a bold move. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of like, there's the scene in uh, Inside Lewin Davis where the character, you know, is uh, sat at dinner and they're like, oh, you're a musician. Like, how quaint. Like, uh, play us a song. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, this is my fucking job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a bold move to, like, bring out an instrument at dinner, you know. Not even, I mean, like, soloing through all of dinner. That's another level. But, but it's also Eddie Van Halen. So you're like, 
I'm not going to tell him to stop. You can't tell him to stop. Like, and it's, and it would be awesome, but it's just bizarre that he's doing that at all. Maybe I'm not a musician. Is it impossible to solo without an audience? Maybe the only way to practice a solo is Is to have in front of people. It has to be involved in something larger that's happening. It's so stressful. It's like, you know, when I, you know, would go home over the holidays in college, you know, the family's like, there's the rock star. Like, uh, you know, play us a song. It's like one of the most stressful. Nick, could you uh, solo for us real quick? Oh, man. And I would do it. I would do it. I would play something and just, oh, man. Like Timothy Chalamet for calling by our name. It's like, come on. It would be nice. It would be nice. Play us solo. Play us a solo. Yeah, play us hot for teacher. Yeah. Uh, I kind of love how Gwen Stefani, she obviously has like a, uh, a deal with uh, the fame devil where she has to throw a husband to onto the fire like Stannis Baratheon every like couple yeah. decades. Yeah. And it was like the bass player from No Doubt. And then it was Gavin Rossdale. Oh, uh, no. What are you going to, what are you saying about uh, Blake Shelton? Not long for this world. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Harvest his organs to live forever. <laughs> Sorry, Blake. <laughs> I mean, she looks great. <laughs> Whatever yeah. she's yeah, doing. She fucking- she's doing it but um i'm lapping her age wise but what's the who was the husband she had in 95 95 would have probably still the bait i don't know if they were married but she was dating the other guy no doubt i think the bass player yes interesting Interesting. (laughs) trying to figure out the connection that she would have to tank girl and how she stole all her essence just like the changing hairstyles that for sure sure. (laughs) because if you like it's undeniable. I mean, like, you look at Tank Girl and you're like, oh, that looks like Gwen Stefani. And then you look at Gwen Stefani in 1995 and she was not doing the things that she would later do. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then over the years, she became more Tank Girl. Uh, it's it's very, very clear. It's this Bush song. So I was kind of struck when uh, I was like, oh, yeah, like, Bush, what, what era is this? And when I was looking at it, and we, we just, I, I guess singles is still fresh in my mind. And uh, singles was like 91. And I think Bush's breakout album came out like maybe 93. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Later grunge, yeah. But they are probably the first like imitators. I that's I would say that's British correct. band. Obviously, they hear this music. They hear Nirvana break. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're going to be the next better looking, more marketable. <laughs> yeah, I think at some point when they were making um, that big record of theirs in the mid 90s, they wanted to take the grunge that they were hearing and inject a little bit more of like a London personality mm-hmm. into the music, which I don't know how well that actually works. Uh, I mean, I mean, friends of mine in I middle don't hear, school. I don't hear Bush any was, London. Bush was huge yeah, yeah. when I was in middle school. Yeah. But it was, it was a band I never really got into. Well, I mean, they could fit right in in Seattle, and you would never know they were from the UK unless yeah, uh, right. you unless heard them you, speak or something. They're like right. they yeah. looked a little too good. I will yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah, they were. They didn't have the Matt Damon hair. They had like nice hair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, come down. I love glycerine. Matt, Matt come Dylan, back down. Letting from, the cables <laughs> sleep. Matt, yeah, Dylan. Matt Dillon hair. Matt I was, Dillon hair. Oh. <laughs> oh boy, I, I kind of just like. Yeah. And then I was thinking, like, what is Matt Damon? Cut hair. Born supremacy. Uh, All right, Nikki, what do we got next? We've got track number eight. This is Portishead with Rhodes. Thank you. 
Yeah, man. This is off of their debut album, Dummy, which is, uh, it came out when I was 13 years old, 1994. And I like bought it immediately because, uh, where I grew up, I had, I got Canadian radio and, uh, this, I think Portishead broke quicker over there for whatever reason. And I was like, Oh, I got to have this. And it is, uh, to this day, I mean, I, I bought and enjoyed a lot of really embarrassing music. Yeah. And this is probably the coolest thing I ever did in the 90s was buy this CD probably before yeah. anybody I knew. As a child. Yeah. And it's still, of, it's probably the only album of that entire 10 years that I ever owned that, that I still of. enjoy unironically. Man, I bought Green Day Dookie. It was the, one of the first CDs I ever bought. My brother relentlessly uh, made fun of me because it was like way after dookie is prime you know i was like i still like it and he was like shut up and then uh like later he was like stealing it to like listen to it on his own and like i would unironically listen to it today but but uh, portishead oh my gosh they're great yeah still. this album i mean all of their albums are really really good but dummy like front to back this is the soundtrack you know definitely checking off its trip-hop box yeah and it's also playing in very kind of disturbing scene towards I, the beginning of the movie which it was kind of the first scene that made me say, like, wait, what is going on in this movie? I like this scene quite a bit. I which, mean, which it, I, it, it was like, I was asking myself, is this video art at this point? For sure. It's when Lori Petty is, uh, you know, working as a she's, like a slave. In this. Yeah, she's been, take, she's been captured. She's working in the mines of the water and in power this, company. This is her shower break where she's basically taking oh, this yeah. shower that's like dirt and baby powder mm-hmm. is the way that they shower. Yeah. I, I do actually like that scene because there's a dry shower is a type of thing now, but it's like one of uh, they kind of lay out this idea of a world where water is like the currency. Yes. And it's like uh, it definitely done way better in Fury Road. The type of, uh, you know, don't let yourself become addicted to the water. You will resent it, Samson. <laughs> and oh, become addicted. Yeah. I think I'm seeing where idiocracy got this idea <laughs> of Gatorade being, you know, this sacred substance. Yeah. And so obviously, if, like, if you really thought out this world and you were like, this is the, the world you're living in, it's like, obviously, yeah, you can't, like, you can't afford to take a shower in water. Yeah. And so you take this dry shower and it's like this kind of... Uh, but tonally, it does not fit in with the rest of the movie. And there's a lot of wasted water everywhere else in the film. Right. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, but it's still, regardless, like it, it was a, a valiant effort. I mean, because Tang Girl has some, I think the comic book had some serious like things and then also, but most of it was goofy and in jest. But um, yeah, it's a sad thing. Like you have to take this gross chemical bath and then like wipe yourself off with like a vacuum afterwards. Like... Have you ever seen the movie um, Twelve Monkeys? He's like, yeah. we're living in, we're living like animals. <laughs> we're living like animals in cages. You gotta get us out of here. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the vibe. I like, you know, I think we can all relate to that vibe right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I, I, I think it's a beautiful scene, and like, but you're right. It looks like something they would be playing in a room at the MoMA that you would walk by. Yeah, it's like a, a Chris Cunningham Bjork video or something. I think we're so. realizing that the. Uh, I guess the Whitney uh, Museum of Art has ripped off all of its aesthetic from Tank Girl. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Shit makes a good fertilizer. What can I say? Yeah. 
looks like we uh, are coming up on a break gentlemen oh, oh, we're nice. coming up on a break at the end of the episode we are going to add a song to the track listing spotify playlist uh in honor of tank girl our favorite military theme song mm-hmm. and you've got a game for us i put right together girl? a little bit of a military themed game for you guys after the break <laughs> oh, oh man spooky yeah stay tuned <laughs> stick with us Hey, thank you guys for listening to the Track Listing Podcast. As always, we want to hear from you. Hey! Hey! Thank you for listening to the podcast. Welcome to our ad. Uh, how can they uh, reach out to us, Chris? Well, you can find us on Instagram. That is at Track Listing Podcast. You can Gmail us. Do people, uh, it's 2020 now. I don't know if people email anymore. People but if, if, if you want Gmail, it's uh, tracklistingpodcast at gmail.com. And rate and review on iTunes and Apple podcasts and yeah. make sure to follow our uh, official Spotify track listing playlist on Spotify. Get on that iTunes and try to balance out our one one star review. Yeah, who did that? <laughs> hey! hey! Thanks for listening. We love y'all. Welcome back to the Tank Girl soundtrack, but before we get back to the soundtrack, we do have a game prepared this week by our very own Caleb Brown. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, Yes, this week I did put together a game for you, an old-fashioned game of covers blown. This is a podcast where we experience a lot of uh, ill-advised covers, and... uh, we sometimes we like to put together a game of even worse covers than we experience in the podcast in general. So uh, I'm going to walk you through this. Uh, this week, we do have five rounds of bad yeah. covers. Uh, these are war-themed covers. <laughs> Strap okay. in. Yeah, th- the cover well never runs dry. That's uh, what I found. <laughs> so five rounds. I am going to ask you, uh, in in the spirit of war, I'm going to ask you guys to compete against each other this week. Yeah, you're going right. down. All right. Yeah. Two warring factions. The art of the podcast game. Are you guys ready? I'm going to give you the original song and artist, and I'm going to give you three options of who may or may not have covered it. Okay. Okay. And you guys are going to pick the most likely option. Okay. Ready? I'm ready, too. Uh, Round one in uh, 1969. It's a 1969 song. It was uh, recorded in 1970 by Edwin Starr. Do you guys have any idea what the song might be? It's called uh, W A War War. war? The song is called Guar. (laughs) Guar. The song is called Guar. War by Edward and Star. We talked about it pretty recently on Uh the Tropic Thunder soundtrack, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, 1970. So it was covered, and I'm gonna say it's uh, probably not a great cover if it's on this game. Uh, Your options are A. Was it covered by Of Montreal? Okay. B, was it covered by Frankie Goes to Hollywood? Or C, was it covered by the Miami Sound Machine? Okay. Let's see mm. here. What was the first option? Of Montreal. Of Montreal. These are all place names, by the way. Yes. Try to theme uh-huh, all the... Nice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, obviously famous for that song, um, Relax. Relax. Yeah. Miami <laughs> Sound Machine, the rhythm is going to get you. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Um, Gloria Estefan. Gloria I don't Estefan, have anything I'm yeah. like drawn to right away, but I'm kind of thinking it would be pretty ridiculous if it was covered by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah, that's. I'm gonna go with. I think I'm gonna go with Frankie Goes to Hollywood. That jumped out at me. Um, I feel like the others came after that. You know what I mean? Like you found the funny frankie goes to Ho- and also like i cannot name another frankie goes to hollywood song so a little bit of a one-hit wonder i think so yeah 
Yep, that's that's my final answer. All right, yeah, same here. The so guys are agreeing on Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yes, we are yeah, playing against each other. But we're still at war. Yes. All right, <laughs> let's hear the answer to round number one. That could be anybody. <laughs> is Frankie Goes to yeah. Hollywood with yeah. War. Right. I think yeah. that is actually off of their, uh, is it something in, something in the Pleasure Dome? That is like, they're, they're like a signature album. I yeah. think that's the album with Relaxing. Chris, right. Chris and I are waving little white flags at each other. <laughs> that is a bad cover. Good yeah. job, guys. It sounds like the exact same sonic palette as uh, Relax. Relax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that bass sound. Whoa, don't do Boom. it. <laughs> if Make you want to go do it. <laughs> very, very similar. I do like Relax quite a bit. I do not like that cover. Round two. All right, yeah. feeling good, feeling good. Me Buffalo too. Soldier by Bob Marley. You guys know this song? Of course. It's recorded in 1978, but wasn't released until 1983 uh, after Marley passed away. I think he passed away in 1981 uh, as a posthumous release. Uh, are you guys familiar with any Buffalo Soldier covers? Mm, dread La Grasta. <laughs> I do, but I, I give me the options. All right, I, I may, I may know Eric this Clapton, one. maybe. All right, so, the yeah. options for a cover of Buffalo Soldier was it covered by A, Vanilla Ice? Was it covered by B, Hot Chocolate? I don't know if you guys know the funk, funk yeah, crew, hot, hot Chocolate. chocolate. Okay. Or was it covered by C, Strawberry Alarm Clock? Okay. Do you guys have a theme with these? Uh, can you put it together? <sighs> ice cream flavors. Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> Neapolitan ice cream. Yummy, <laughs> yummy in my tummy. Vanilla ice, hot okay. chocolate, or strawberry alarm clock. I feel like vanilla Vanilla. ice has always been known for covering songs and uh, doing them very terribly. Yeah. Um, hot chocolate. Not familiar with any covers that they've done. And... Uh, what was the last one? Strawberry alarm Strawberry clock. Alarm Strawberry clock. alarm clock. The ones that did incense peppermints. Remember our uh, Austin Powers uh, soundtrack. I think Vanilla Ice might be a red herring in this round. Maybe he's he could have covered anything. He's a chameleon. Um, he has uh, zero ingenuity <laughs> or inventiveness. So he's, he's one of our covers. most gifted artists. We all know. That. I think I'm gonna go hot chocolate. I'm gonna go Strawberry Alarm Clock because it sounds crazy. All right. Uh, and it would have been around the same time, maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's hear the answer to round two, Buffalo Soldier. Strolling from Africa. Brought to America. Fighting on arrival. Fighting for survival. I need it when I analyze Oh, that is some stinky, That's, stinky auto tune. It's like vanilla. That is vanilla ice. Ah, Later vanilla. Late career uh, attempted comeback. Spoiled vanilla. Man, it's past the expiration was date. He, was he thinking that that would like help him gain new fans? Like, what so is the bad. thought process? I, dude, I think it's anything. He's always trying to show off his talent. cover that no one asked for. Oh, we are God. still tied going into round three of war. 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 Uh, Black Sabbath as a song. Can you guys guess what Black Sabbath song I might be uh, highlighting in this round? Um, Iron Man, Iron Man. Yeah, I know that's been Bark covered at the quite moon. a bit. 
Uh, Black Sabbath's lead track off of their 1970 album Paranoid was called War Pigs. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Great song. Love the song, War Pigs. But was it covered by A, Sugar Ray, B, Cream, or C, Cake? Okay, Black Sabbath. Yeah, that was 1970. 1970. Can we just do a little ditty about how War Pigs goes? It's like, uh, Bonach. Okay. I mean, okay. I could see. I could see Cake doing a version of that song. Yeah, I could see that. I think Cream would be a little strange for them to be doing that because you know contemporaries you know yeah disraeli gears came out in like 68 or 69 i i'm gonna go sugar ray on this one mark mcgrath mark mcgrath i could see him off the charts but but still in our hearts in your hearts (laughs) (laughs) he's on cameo hey four hundred dollars Oh, that's crazy. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris is locking in with Sugar Ray. I'm going to lock in with Cake. Should we hear the answer to round three? Let's hear the answer to round three, War Pigs. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yes. That was cake with war yeah, pigs. Yeah. I didn't hate that. It was good. Really? I kind of hated it. I, I like cake. I, I like cake. cake. Yeah. I like cake, but I kind of hated that. Do you know what album that was on? It's, it's definitely later. It's not an album yeah. that not I... Not on a golden nugget. It was the uh, pants, a short skirt, and a long jacket. Maybe that one. I don't know. I think it was. It might have even been after that. Yeah. A one point to Nikki. Okay. All right. Two one. No, it, well... I think it's one to zero at this point. You guys split the... Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. I mean, give me a point. I think I earned that point. Okay, yeah. let's say it's 101 to 100. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, round four. All right, round four. Um, Bob Dylan he wrote a song called Masters of War. Mm-hmm. It was an anti-nuclear arms race anthem released in 1963. Mm-hmm. And was it covered by A, Ozzy Osbourne? Okay. B, Kelly Osborne. Oh. Or C, Joan Osborne. Joan Osborne. Okay. The Oz of it all. The Oz. Or the Wizard of Oz. I think this is a Kelly move. This this smells like Kelly to me. Because I feel, you know, Dylan and Ozzy, never thought I'd be saying this in the same sentence, but uh, <laughs> contemporaries kind of, like around the same time. <laughs> Why would what, what business does he have covering Dylan? Is my thing. Like, why would he care? Why would he yeah. want to do that? Whereas Kelly, I think, is stupid enough to do it. Joan Osborne maybe makes the most sense mm. for a cover, but uh, that's the. I think I'm gonna go Kelly Osborne. Kelly. Okay, you, can, you can block me out the rest of this thing too. You guys locking in with Kelly? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna lock in with right. Kelly. Kelly Osborne, maybe with Masters of War. Like Judas of old You lie and deceive World war can be won You want me to believe But I see through your eyes And I see through your brain 
That was Joan Osborne. Ah, all right. Chris has got the photo pulled up. Yeah, I couldn't remember what she looked like. That what if sense. God was one of us? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Austin Powers. Shout <laughs> all right. So we have one more round. Uh, at this point, Nikki is ahead by one point. So I am going to require him to lock in first. Okay. So that he can't just play defense. Oh, nice. Uh, Thank you. Oh, God. So the last track... <laughs> Is a song called Fortunate Son by Credence Clearwater Revival. Oh, yeah, baby. One of our favorites. I see a theme going on this here. It's one of our favorite bands here on track listing. Mm-hmm. CCR. 1969 Vietnam War protest anthem. Was it covered by A. Wyclef Jean, B. Sean Lennon, or C. P. Diddy, founder of Sean John? <laughs> All right, fortunate son. It's like the <laughs> I gotta laugh at it, Chris. That's good. Yeah, that's good. It's the anti connections Vietnam protest song. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me. Why, Clef Jean? We've had him on covers blown before. He's done mm-hmm. his fair share of covers. He's got some Bob Marley covers out there. So, um, from like a political standpoint, I could see him doing that. And Sean Lennon, uh, you know. Riding on the coattails of someone. And, um, yeah, P. Diddy. That might be the most ridiculous one, so that might be the answer. I'm going to go Wyclef Jean based on his cover history for that. <sighs> Damn it. <laughs> Locking in. I was going to go Wyclef Jean, too. All right, I got to I gotta strategically, this is all or nothing. I'm going to, I'm going to do Sean Lennon. You think Sean and I'm going to try Sean Lennon. P. Unironically. Diddy, unironically <laughs> thinking that's a good idea. Uh, P. Diddy, he might, I, I don't, I feel like I've heard his big, uh, covers and his big blunders. Um, I feel like I would have heard this before if it was P. Diddy, but I could be wrong. All right, let's hear the answer to round five. This is Fortunate Son. Some folks are born, That is Wyclef Jean hey. with Fortunate Son. Nikki All wins right. 102 to Chris's 100. Should have known. Good game, Chris. Good game. <laughs> That's fair. That is apparently off of the Manchurian Candidate soundtrack. The Gotta remake. do it. Gotta do it. Um, the remake. The remake. <laughs> the remake. <laughs> Not yes. the original one. <laughs> the original is so good. <laughs> hey, thank you guys for oh, playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nicely done. Excellent Nicely done. quizzing, everyone. I should have known Sean Lennon was a pretty fortunate son. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he would. He was. <laughs> See the irony immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe he feels that he was, you know, poor Sean. <laughs> poor John Lennon's kids. <laughs> it's the suing. <laughs> suing to get back his father's memorabilia. You know? My God. Just trying to get those guitars. Oh. All right. Uh, jumping back into 1995. <laughs> You guys want to get back into the uh, Tank Girl soundtrack? Yeah, I would love to. And for the Let's do it. for the listeners, that is the Windows ninety five uh, opening, right? Uh, is that is it, correct. Uh, I don't know what it? you're talking about. You guys are hearing something here. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Brian Eno is seeping in through the airwaves. <laughs> this is track number nine. This is Joan Jett and Paul Westerberg with "Let's Do It." Mm-hmm. When the little blue bell 
Jet and Paul Westerberg, who we just talked about from uh-huh. our singles episode, the lead singer of The Replacements. You got Paul Westerberg of The Replacements and Joan Jett of uh, Joan Jett and the Black Hearts I and love, The Runaways. Runaways, yeah. Yeah, she's got that tank girl spirit. I love rock and roll big time. Yeah. yeah. Punching jukeboxes. Against and the grain. Yeah. You know, she overcame adversity mm-hmm. as she was becoming famous. People thought it's kind of like, how dare a woman that's eccentric and, you know, is leading a band, how mm-hmm. dare she challenge? And it's uh, which was pretty insane. Yeah, and this she, is uh, rules. Yeah, she's the best. So this is a Cole Porter song, yeah. um, and this is, it harkens back to one of the worst scenes I've seen in a movie. In, yeah, in one of the, maybe years and years and years. And uh, that being said, <laughs> I really like this cover. <laughs> I kind of really enjoy it. I think that this is a good version of this song. It's also playing at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I should say that there's th- this actually this version this is version played at the end of the movie, on. but yeah. the Cole Porter version is uh, well, saying the, acapella. The for characters a are, and then, are playing it. Oh my god, that, that scene. scene. That oh scene. man, it's so long, and I cannot believe it was longer. <laughs> but it's so they enter this um, like harem slash strip club like futuristic thing called Liquid Silver unnecessary scene none of it needs to be in there i think it was only like uh put in for like a a fun um costume change for tank girl and then she's like you're you're supposed to look like a sexy uh like you know like a stripper she's like nah i picked my own costume like why is any of this happening and then they save the day by like hijacking one woman and forcing her to sing Cole Porter and then they do a big dance number. Oh, I mean, I was reading the, since this is like the 25th anniversary, you know, the director recently was sharing some tidbits on Twitter and she was talking about this scene in particular mm-hmm. and saying what an amazing job Lori Petty did in the scene. She was like, she improvised the whole thing and, you oh know, I was, God. I was kind of excited to watch it. I was like, oh, this <laughs> yeah. should be pretty good. Yeah. No. It's bananas. It is one of the worst things it's I've bananas. seen. And it's like a Rock Hats type thing if you haven't seen it. And she's like dancing with a top hat. and It's not funny. Narratively, it's really frustrating because it's like, we got to go in there to save somebody. And as soon as they get there, instead of saving somebody, they just hang around and start do a dance. I mean, we're trying to like find a silver lining here with yeah. this movie and any of these scenes. And there's just nothing to latch on to. That's very true. I don't know if I mentioned uh, in this episode yet that this is one of the worst movies I've ever Ever seen. Oh, come on, guys. Uh, that's true, but <laughs> we keep doing this. Not the worst soundtrack I've ever heard, though. Uh, you don't know. I, no, no. We are here to review the, soundtrack, the soundtrack, but I'm going to ask you each have we reviewed a movie that is worse than this movie? Mm, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. This is pretty bad. It, I mean, it's just, it, it's a failure on so many parts. Yeah. Um, I think Half Baked was like the worst soundtrack. But Half Baked is a good movie. Half Baked's an amazing movie. Half Baked's a good movie. Half Baked is fucking hilarious, dude. (laughs) Half Baked rules, bro. All right. I'm going to do, you guys keep talking. I'm going to do a quick troll through our old episodes just to make sure we haven't. Bring up uh, the list. Um, We haven't haven't tracked down the room soundtrack yet. No. Um, Yeah, good luck. But like the room is watchable bad. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's so bad that it's good. This is, um, there's some, it's not, 
insane enough to be funny or anything, it, but it's just it just doesn't come together, and it's discombobulated and incoherent at times, and it it's moving quickly, but the scenes are slow. <laughs> it's just there's so much happening. It's very ADD. Yeah, the edit. Yeah, and uh, discorded at times. Um, it seems it, to me that the only competing films for worst films that we've reviewed would be Beverly Hills Ninja. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, that's repressed. It's got he- some laughs. Heavy Metal. Pretty, okay. Pretty bad. These are all my picks. <laughs> not as, not as bad picks. as Tank Girl. Uh, heavy Metal. I, dude, I like Heavy Metal. What are you talking yeah. about? Okay. It wasn't bad. Um, wait, maybe one more. Fright Night's not great. I'll, I'll oh, yeah. to that. Fright, this, Fright it's, Night's it's, way it's, better it's, than this It's got one. a campiness to it that, like, this movie is kind of attempting yeah. to do, but it just doesn't land. Mm, maybe. No, this is the worst movie we've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> well, let's hear, uh, let's cheer up with a little bit of track number 10. <laughs> this is Belly with Thief. That night you left Belly, one is probably the only uh, grunge rock band out of Newport, Rhode Island that I know of. Nice, yeah, some affluent folk out there. Although I, th- I think it's like a throw off of like another band that was also from Newport. But uh, it's not a terrible track. Yeah, yeah. This mm. is like a this is a vibe that I like. What part of the movie is this from? Don't know. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> was uh, it was it the, even in the movie? Uh, I think it was. If it was, so I'm. I was. Um, having to do all the notes for this because yeah. sometimes people have recorded where each song it's is in the, the uh the official soundtrack ledger yeah but uh this did not appear and i if it's in the movie i missed it um but uh everything everything else if you were to ask me at any other song i would yeah. have an answer but this, this right. kind of feels okay. like it was you know one of the tracks that courtney love would have really been into to recommend yeah for the soundtrack it's got that kind of vibe I like it. I, you know, I don't know why people on the internet don't want to watch this movie over and over. Uh, try to figure out where these fucking songs are. I think you are. could pay me to watch that movie again. Uh, Chris, you were motion. We, we didn't talk about in the uh, the terrible strip club scene or brothel scene or whatever that there is a, a like a rock cameo that's pretty remarkable. <laughs> yeah, Iggy Pop is. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Iggy Pop shows up. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's credited as Rat Face, and he's he's got an insane look in this. He's one of like the robed uh, patrons of yeah, this yeah. place. Well, it's like uh, you know somebody has to get Iggy Pop on the on the radio and be like listen uh can you come in for one day to play a pedophile it's like sure it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like we're gonna chop your hand apart it's like okay yeah i can do that <laughs> Lori petty shared an interesting iggy pop fact uh, during the making of tank girl where when he would show up to film his scenes every day before they started he had a habit of having a uh, peanut butter sandwich for breakfast every morning breakfast of champions yeah yeah get that protein you know <laughs> and uh his hand in this scene is uh 
destroyed by this little little orb. What do they what do they call this little device? I, I'm not sure. It's basically it's the like thing a, from Phantasm, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like if you hold it the wrong way, it'll just cut your hand off. Yeah, it's the it, cross between Phantasm and the movie Blade. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. I've got Blade Sword, man. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a the they foreshadow this happening when Sam, the little girl who they're there to rescue, kind of at yeah. some point, mm-hmm. um, she's like, "Can I have your little like trinket?" Uh, tank girl and she's like yeah sure but make sure you don't chop your hands off but here you go i'm gonna give this blade to an eight-year-old girl (laughs) pretty cool stuff (laughs) we do this is something that we talk about sometimes on soundtracks we got to list some of the songs that didn't make it onto the official release Mm -hmm. uh in honor of iggy pop's cameo there was an iggy pop song wild wild thing was on the sound was in the movie but not on the soundtrack uh the theme from shaft by isaac hayes which was kind of weirdly put in. I think I most think, yeah. uh, most remarkably, Richard Hell and the Voidoids, Blank Generation. I did catch that one. That was great. It's yeah. kind of a bummer it didn't make it onto the soundtrack. I know. It's a, it's a really good song. Yeah. Song uh, Richard Hell. Quite a bit. B-A-B-Y by Rachel Sweet. Oh, yeah. Cover of Baby. Yeah. That's uh, pretty good. Listen to our Baby Driver soundtrack episodes. Two Cents by Beowulf. Um, who could forget yeah it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty good jam and then there's it. another bjork song that didn't make it on the soundtrack mm-hmm. bjork may have maybe been in the movie for a moment but uh, oh really mm-hmm. was maybe going to be sub girl but, oh. uh, when, but when the role got pared down she didn't take it oh interesting. so they gave it to ann cusack instead and then they just <laughs> cut her out of the movie <laughs> what's going on with the edit for this movie like, man it's like uh, this movie's a fucking disaster man what, what like, had she had, had the director made a movie before this or was she just given this movie and this was like a first shot at directing i think this was her first big um director directorial debut right because um, i know she worked on nightmare on elm street mm-hmm and oh, that would have, uh, Freddy's dead. Freddy's dead, right. Yeah, but not a ton uh, before this. Yeah, um, I think that she liked Tank Girl, the, the comic book, and it took her over a year to option it, and she <laughs> just had to fight and fight and fight. She it was This was a passion project for her. Mm-hmm. She finally got it made. She pitched it to uh, James Cameron at one point. She pitched it to Steven Spielberg, who said... The idea was too hip for Spielberg. That's right. <laughs> which which inspired her to make a t-shirt with a kind of a Tank Girl comic book logo on it that just says too hip for Spielberg, That's which you can buy a, online. Yeah, I like That's that. That's like one of those uh, deflections where somebody's like, hey, do you want to like produce my movie? You're like, ah. It's too too cool for like us. probably way too cool for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You like, you wouldn't want to date me. I'm I, a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, yeah, it, yeah. That makes sense. It, it was a letting down an easy yeah. phone call. Yeah, You're yeah. exactly right. Um, <laughs> Rachel Talley also did a Ghost in the Machine, which is kind of a okay. cult horror classic, right? As well, but um, but yeah, Freddy's Dead, uh, Ghost in the Machine, and then old tank girl <laughs> uh, old know. tank girl yeah. oh my god this movie all right nikki what do we got next let's get into track 11 this is veruca salt with aurora
wake up guys wake up <laughs> it's actually I, not a bad track yeah i like this track fruit assault i remember them um uh, pretty clearly like they had a song called seether which was a big hit when i was in high school i remember seether yeah mm-hmm. uh there we've talked about fruit assault okay yeah uh, they're a good a, band uh named after a character in charlie and charlie chocolate factory mm-hmm. one of the ill-fated children yeah <laughs> All right, Wonka, name your price. <laughs> <laughs> I want a baboon now, Daddy. <laughs> That's Veruca Salt. Um, uh, this is uh, the fabled post-coital kangaroo sex scene. Oh, so, now um, we got to talk about now this. we got to talk about Finally this. Finally here. So, Rebecca Buck, Tank Girl, Lori Petty... <laughs> Uh, decides that can, it's okay. Can I talk about the the uh, kangaroo people a little bit before this to yes, kind of lay the, the groundwork? Rippers, the rippers, the yes. rippers, the rippers. So they're the the nightmarish monsters who turn out to be uh, a a group of genetically engineered half human, half uh, kangaroo it's very soldiers. The island of Doctor Moreau. <laughs> yes, creature. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they all have like. Excuse me, but um, vitiligo. <laughs> There's a lot of very splotchy skin. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, in the comic books, apparently they look very much like just regular kangaroos. Yeah, they're like kangaroos that can hold guns. And yeah. Stuff. yeah, and in uh, <laughs> and in this movie, they decided to make them much more human-like mm-hmm. uh, to make them more relatable, I guess, yeah. or uh, or whatever. And uh, there's a there's a thing in the movie. Like it turns out that I don't think this is in the comic books, but uh, at one point they mentioned that they've all been reincarnated from humans. And one person says that they're Jack Kerouac reincarnated. Uh-huh. Everybody is kind of nods like okay, which is like I don't know if anybody would even know who Jack Kerouac was in this in nightmarish future yeah, in Australia, fighting over water. Uh, yeah, in this like play- Burning Man apocalyptic <laughs> Mad Max universe. Yeah. He plays like the tenor yeah. sax or maybe even the Barry sax. Yeah, on yeah. the road, a copy of On the Road was not floating around in this social circle. <laughs> and uh, I don't even know if Kerouac played the sax. I thought he was more of a written word guy. But anyways, yeah. that's beside the hey, point. Man, if that's uh, what we're splitting hairs over. <laughs> so there is a there's a beat poet uh, ripper. There is a, a horny ripper. Hmm. There's like a nerd ripper that never says anything. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. the ice ice tea plays a cop, a cop. dead cop ripper. Right, and so then wait, there's okay. <laughs> a little, sorry, a little yeah. bit of point of confusion. Were they like? Did those people get turned into them? Are they reincarnated from the dead corpses of people? If he says that he's reincarnated from Jack Kerouac, who at this point would have been dead for hundred years, hundred. So I either. M- misinterpreted or interpreted this differently and that like he dt was just kind of off in his own thing going uh like oh yeah i'm i'm like the he was just a beatnik being a dick and that was his personality but he wasn't actually reincarnated or no one else okay could. i think that the conversation that we're was. having right here is way more in depth than the filmmakers ever decided to go down because okay they say like literally like we're all reincarnated i was a cop i was jack kerouac blah blah blah. don't overthink it i thought they and were then, like put in a tube and like zapped into like, no, and, like cross well, maybe we're ju- supposed to understand that these uh there's no pre-existing souls for the half kangaroo people so the souls have to come from somewhere and they just end up being like sucked from the ether of pre-existing human souls this is another aspect of the film that doesn't make any sense <laughs> That the director just decided to say, fuck it, I don't give a shit. Kind of because, you know, people, she, her hair is changing colors throughout the movie in a world where there's no water. Right. <laughs> That's true. So, she's getting hair dye. There's no rhyme or reason to much of this movie. Right, so, the reason so, I bring this up is completely bananas, but the one of the rippers 
is reincarnated uh, from he's, he says from he, a, say, he says he used to be a dog. He says he used to be a dog. He says he used to be a dog. He is by anyone's uh, interpretation intellectually disabled. He is very developmentally challenged. Yes, and this is the kangaroo humanoid <laughs> that. Uh, tank tank girl. girl decides to have sex with yes so not only <laughs> are we talking about like you know intraspecies which whatever hey hey man whatever floats your boat but took advantage it's, it's 2033 it's 2033 which we're not too far away from <laughs> but the morality that we have today has no relation to whatever is happening in this uh hey water starved australian hell free love but at the same time like do not have sex with um a, an intellectually disabled person you're taking advantage of that person. uh but they filmed a, a post-coital scene uh, in addition to the one you see, which it's like, everyone knows what happened. They have their clothes on, <laughs> but they're laying in a reclined position, like kind of on top of each other, and it's playing this Veruca Salt. There is like, oh, what, what are your dreams? You know, like, I mean, they just had sex. There was a scene that uh, they filmed with a nude Booga as is the character, the kangaroo's name. Oh, I think I read about this as well. With a prosthetic kangaroo dick. And for some reason, the studio <laughs> cut it out. They cut it out. <laughs> but you can find it. Okay. Uh, which I did find. The but studio interference in this film is ridiculous. <laughs> Same guy that gave Mark Wahlberg a prosthetic <laughs> cock in Boogie Nights. Yeah. Great prosthesis work, um, <laughs> but the the version that you can find, it's like MGM United Artists, like you know behind the scenes, oh, is man. so grainy uh, that like I found it on like some old forum like <laughs> message board, and then people are like, "Is there a higher quality? Because I can barely make it out." Oh this. no! And then so like, Chris, what you know, <laughs> what forum did you find yourself in? Man, then, like, I'm googling. The authorities like, are coming for you. High quality kangaroo <laughs> sex scene from Tanger. I mean, you're like, gonna yeah, get a knock on I'm, your door. I already have. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm holding out for the Snyder cut. I gotta, yeah. see, I gotta see this oh, kangaroo man. cock. <laughs> it's grainy. You can't even tell what's happening. It cost five thousand dollars to make. They didn't put right. it in the movie. <laughs> God, man. It looks like we are coming up on the last song. Dang girl, this is Ice T with Big Gun. Better recognize that she comes, she comes correct to let respect. And if not, you catch a broken neck, buddy. Look down and your shirts are bloody. Looks like she caught you with the bad one for messing with the mad one. Told you about this girl before, you didn't listen to me as I talked. Now you're stalked by the hunter of the front who size five and sexy. Quick to catch your body in another one next week. Huh, it doesn't matter cause the girl stays strapped. She said she had enough of men and now she's looking for payback. And there's no way that she can fade her son. She walks softly, but she carries a big gun. She walks softly, but she carries a big gun. She walks softly, but she carries a big gun. <laughs> All right, a funny note about Ice T as uh, one of these mutant uh, Dr. Moreau kangaroos <laughs> was that uh, one, you know, a bunch of the kangaroo actors, uh, you know, were kind of surprised that Ice T was never complaining because most of the people were complaining as they were shooting a lot of the kangaroo scenes and makeup, like yeah, the Arizona desert. We were always getting our makeup take on on and off at the same time. They were saying then they would work out then they would take a bath and they would sleep for five hours get back in costume and uh they said to ice t like man like you're so cool you're never complaining and ice's response was it's better than prison (laughs) (laughs) oh man Uh, hard motherfucker that 
isn't a kangaroo outfit you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, so, it's so funny like i mean ice t was a uh, a terrifying rapper talking about murdering people and then like his trajectory post tank girl was like two different cops on well i guess he was a cop in new jack city and yeah. then he did uh-huh. this movie and then he was another cop on law and order for years and years and he years he still is to this day still to this day yeah, yeah, ice. <laughs> yeah, ice. This track is bordering on MC yeah, Synopsis. I was going to say. But it doesn't, I don't think it quite encapsulates the spirit of the film. No, he just talks about a, a, a small, like, feisty young woman yeah. who carries a big gun. Which they I don't think talk is like, about kangaroos at all. <laughs> Never mentions a tank, which is weird. Does, does it mention he the... Played it well. <laughs> he played it well. You know I, what I mean? I don't know if the song mentions the production nightmare that was <laughs> dealing with this tank yeah. in the movie. Uh, the the tank that they got could only go forward. <laughs> it could not reverse. So oh, every God. time they had to shoot, the tank would make this two mile loop around the desert. Yeah, it's like a a, a U fifty one A Marshall tank or something that was purchased from the Philippine government. I think. I think it w- it was a Hollywood tank that had been uh, purchased a couple of times yeah, over been, the years. It had been yeah, passed yeah. down through a lot of uh, but, but, cursed film shoots. But like, oh, the, man, the, this um, voodoo tank. The, the forums go pretty hard into like <laughs> the specs on the tank and like oh, okay. it was, it's a heavily modded tank. And you're like, yeah, I saw it. There's like a lawn chair on it. It's like, a movie. It oh, shoots beer. <laughs> like, That's right. Beer is its main defense mechanism. In a lot mechanism. of ways, the tank is its own character right uh, oh this gosh fucking, uh this movie's so bad i okay before we this is the last track uh-huh. and uh i do want to mention one thing uh it's recurring aspect of the film <laughs> we haven't talked about malcolm mcdowell hardly at all no he's a really good villain he's, First a, choice. he's the head of the water and power is that the, mm-hmm. the evil corporation mm-hmm. yeah and they have this weapon that he like sticks in when somebody fails him like darth vader style he like sticks this weapon in him and it sucks all the water out of them yeah and it turns all the 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 body's water into like a liquids into just a drinkable little and that part is like terrifying and really fucking cool yeah and i love that part and it plays a couple roles at the same time he he hasn't he gets attacked by rippers halfway through and his his head becomes replaced by a hologram head yeah and that part is so stupid and i hate it uh-huh. james hong is the uh the yeah, doctor yeah, yeah. who uh you may recognize from uh, he's a great character actor big but trouble little china big trouble little china seinfeld he's been a lot but uh yeah they replace his he's first of all he's dr claw for half the movie you don't see his face <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he's the, oh that's right uh, and you're like you gadget you know that, <laughs> you know like you know that uh his head was removed and you're like what's his head gonna look like yeah, he chops off the head and, and then at him. one point they show him and it's like it's just the normal head you're like what and then there's this he's like (laughs) so i have a holographic head that means i can hurt you but you can't hurt me and then they just like kill him in a normal fashion by hitting him anywhere other than his armor head very vulnerable to water which i guess plays into this is a a world with no like water yeah we wouldn't be worried about water but even though uh the one confrontation they have there's water everywhere Uh, but apparently Malcolm, <laughs> Malcolm McDowell, I mean, he nails the role. Um, he was the first choice. They're like, like a Malcolm McDowell kind. And they're like, well, we'll call him. And they're like, oh, 
Oh, sure. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, Dow loves to work. I love him in Clockwork Orange. Caligula. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he, uh, yeah, er, very early on, I think bad script writing, they make him out to be like, oh, this is the evilest evil that ever eviled. And he's like, you walk on, like, take your shoes off and walk on broken glass, and then I'm going to kill you and drink you. And then you're like, okay. But the first scene, <laughs> he does that scene, good. it's like a really good scene, and he, he like, yeah, he, like, uh, does the Fredo kiss, and then he sucks out the water, kills mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. drinks it, and then he walks over the broken glass, and yeah. he's barefoot. Mm-hmm. He you, does, he's a monster. But yeah. you never see him take his shoes off. And at one point I was like, oh, was he shoeless the whole time? And I like rewound it. It's like, no, he's wearing shoes and it just cuts. In the original edit, there's a nine minute scene where he takes his (laughs) shoes off. Can you believe that they cut that? He just starts dancing and there's a huge dance scene. It's a huge dance number that they cut out. Oh my God, the studio interference in this thing. The studio (laughs) has destroyed this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, that is the Tank Girl soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, buddy. (laughs) This fucking thing. All right, so we we always talk about how we're going to agree on what our uh, units of measurement are going to be. Ooh. Australian liters of water. Uh, zero to 15 mutant kangaroos. Yeah, prosthetic kangaroo penis. <laughs> um, uh, I like zero to 15 abandoned malls. Post-apocalyptic comets. A comet is what causes the apocalypse in this, which is interesting. Water bottles. Water bottles. Who can say? Comets. All right. All right. Chris, out of 15 apocalyptic comets, how do you feel about the soundtrack? You know what? The soundtrack is is very listenable. Um, I'd say least favorite track might be... The the Ice-T song is not bad. It's not good. It's nothing I would ever put on. It might be my least favorite track on this because... It just doesn't really go with the vibe as well as the other ones. Um, I think the scene it is played in, it works well. She's like parasailing off the back of a tank, you know, and then it's <laughs> the, uh, the second oh, credit. I love that scene. Love that scene. Love that scene. Um, I, so, yeah, you know what? Sorry, Ice. I'm going to say that's my least favorite uh, on the soundtrack. And my favorite one might be uh, the Portishead song. Um, I think it's stands the test of time. Overall, I think I got to give this a pretty decent review. I think the uh, 1995 grunge era is kind of bleeding into the soundtrack, and it works well in the film. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe not. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if any, if anything works well in the film, it's the soundtrack. I'm gonna give this a 11.3 out right. of 15 comments. Wow, that's a yeah. lot of comments. Uh, Nikki, how do you feel about the soundtrack? Zero to 15 comets. Apocalyptic comets. Uh, Give me a least favorite, most favorite. Favorite track, least favorite track. I'm going to say my least favorite track is the song Bomb by Bush. Oh. Oh, Come on, man. Yeah. And for favorite track, I'm going to have to also say Portishead with Rhodes. And um, I can't say anything good about this movie. (laughs) The soundtrack... You know, it's pretty good. I can't tell if that's evidenced by the contrast of how terrible the film is, that just anything is going to be better. <laughs> but um, kind of piggybacking off of what Chris said as well, the uh, the last soundtrack that we covered was uh, Singles, which captured the early 90s grunge. And this is kind of bleeding into the next phase of uh, rock music in the uh, mid-90s 
which, uh, you know, is, is an accurate time capsule. And it's got a nice mix. It's got alternative rock. It's got a little bit of trip hop. It's got some rap and some punk. So nice eclectic mix. I'm going to have to give this a 9.1 Comets. All right. Okay. Yeah, this is interesting. This is definitely one of the worst movies I've seen in years. And it's it's kind of crazy to me that uh, I had seen this as a kid and it didn't register with me how bad it was back then. But it's so fucking bad. Um, least favorite track on here it's i would say it's a toss-up between ripper soul by stomp i forgot i was i i was like forgot about stomp stomp <laughs> it's very very donkey kong i gotta give like a the magnificent bastards with mockingbird girls really bad for the guttural uh <laughs> grossness See, like stomp at least it's like i feel like they had uh a directive is like this is for a scene where these kangaroo people are gonna dance around you know do your best uh but scott wyland knows better he should be able to put together a better track so i have to for my least favorite i have to pick mockingbird girl uh by the magnificent bastards i am happy to say that we are all in agreement that my favorite track is roads by portishead nice. still you, holds up you yeah. guys make fun yeah. of me for being a fan of trip hop and we can all agree that Portis Head is fantastic. How the tables have turned. But is it truly trip hop? Yeah, that is uh, quintessential right. trip hop. <laughs> I will say, out of 15 apocalyptic comets, um, the soundtrack so much better than the film, I feel like it's even hard to gauge. Uh, I don't know what's up and down anymore, but I will give this like a 10.1. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very uh, 90s, very fun, very right. good. Good job, gentlemen. There's a little bit of a silver lining with this soundtrack in the uh, the Portishead song. <laughs> but we are going to have to move on to our recommended track, which is our favorite uh, military-oriented song. Who wants to lead off? Caleb. Uh, thank you, Nikki. Yeah, for my military song that I picked, um, it's actually from 2009 um, from a Scottish indie pop band called Camera Obscura. Um, they had a, an album that I like quite a bit, and uh, the single off of that album was called uh, French Navy. Let's hear some of that. I was waiting to be struck by lightning, waiting for somebody Yeah, I think in the spirit of uh, of girl power, I wanted to pick a, a female-led band, and it's a song that I still love to this day and listen to a lot, and uh, kind of sends shivers up my spine. It's one of those like songs that really stuck with me through the years. Yeah, that's a jam, and I, I wish I had done a, a female vocalist as well. <laughs> it's kind of how um, Quincy Jones used to describe knowing when you're when when he was asked, "How do you know when you're done working on a track?" is when you can uh, feel a little shiver in your spine. Yeah, man, that's a yeah. it's got a very big kind of maybe even uh Phil Spector like wall uh, of sound wall of sound thing going on. It's very kind of like an epic uh throwback pop song. I love it quite a bit. Thank you, Caleb. Yeah, what do you, you got Caleb. for us, Chris? Military oriented song. I got a song called Zombie 
uh, by Fela Kuti. Uh, this is from 1977, and it's got a crazy story behind it uh, that I'll explain, but um, let's go ahead and hear a little bit of that, and I'll talk about it afterwards. Very nice. Fela Kuti making a first appearance on our recommended Spotify song. Yeah, man, this is one of my favorite songs of all time. I mean, it's it's a, what is it, 12, 13 minutes? I think the lyrics come in around seven minutes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a long jam, but it's very upbeat. And then I, I later found out what the song's about. And uh, Zombie is a reference to uh, the Nigerian soldiers that were like friends of Fela Kuti and uh, he was saying, you know, it was a very, uh, he was criticizing the Nigerian government and the military saying like, you know, once you become a soldier, you're a zombie, like go and kill, like go and die. Um, you're a zombie, this sort of thing. But, um, the backlash from this song, uh, caused, uh, a thousand troop like military sanction to attack his commune and they killed his mom and almost killed him as well. And like, uh, like the the backlash from the album in general, like he ended up getting banned from Ghana, um, and he's just it was kind of living on the lamb in Ni- Nigeria for quite a while. So it's a Oof. it's a very powerful song. The al- the whole album is great, but um, uh, anti war, anti um, government song. So yeah. it's it's been it's a, a, a Fela Kuti, super awesome. He did. Uh, I should say that he kind of set up a commune with a multiple wives yeah, and yeah, he, he did have 27 wives he declared um, himself like a sovereign nation and uh so he was maybe poking at some of the local governments and, uh, <laughs> oh man ended hey, man, up in tragedy government why can't you <laughs> let me have my 27 wives it's bullshit what you're doing to me. Uh, no. yeah fela Kuti um, is a, a pers- personal like favorite of mine yeah he, he's an insane person uh but also like you know uh, in, in a time when it's you can't criticize a certain government, he he sort of came at him full steam. So, and if you're a uh, big Talking Heads fan, the album that uh, David Byrne and company produced, along with uh, Brian Eno, who composed the uh, Windows 95 <laughs> there you go. <laughs> intro it's song that we've heard a few times in the episode, uh, they were you know pretty heavily influenced by Fela Kuti and his band for the. Uh, for the sound and the instrumentation of that, uh, for of Remain in Light. I should also say that uh, the first album that was released of Fela Kuti's in the States was uh, Fela Kuti and Ginger Baker, mm-hmm. who was a famous percussionist uh, from the band uh, Cream. Ginger Baker. Ginger Baker. So he went out there and he, he like, kind of uh, amplified uh, Fela Kuti's already, like, rising fame in Africa and kind of, like, spread it worldwide. Yeah, excellent pick. Thank you, Chris. Great song. Yeah, love that song. Nikki, what is your military pick for us? All right, this was not planned (laughs) ahead of time, but uh, I've got a track here from Black Sabbath. Yeah. And the song is called War Pigs. (laughs) So, yeah, Caleb being a little bit uh, prescient with the uh, game in this episode. This is a great song. (laughs) Is this the cake version? Yeah. Unfortunately, it is (laughs) the cover. Uh, This is the uh, original Black Sabbath song, War Pigs. Let's hear a little bit of that. In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death 
and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, Lord, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, from the 1970 album that we mentioned before, uh, Paranoid, which was, a, uh, I think, maybe the first Sabbath album that I bought as like a fifth or sixth grader nice. at, a, uh, at a Borders on a total whim. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. And uh, yeah, awesome, awesome song. And a little bit of background, this was uh, around the time that this song came out in 1970, uh, mandatory army service in Britain had ended. But with the uh, Vietnam War raging, mm -hmm. uh, the bassist and lyricists for Black Sabbath, uh, Geezer Butler, was uh, terrified about the possibility of getting drafted. Were you telling me that um, this man's parents named him Geezer? <laughs> uh, you know, you might, um, Geezer might be in quotations. Okay, okay. And also, you know, Ozzy Osbourne has said that uh, the, the song War Pigs is uh, as much about being an anti-Vietnam War uh, song as it is just a general anti-war song. And, um, I mean, it's just, it's got such a cool sound. Yeah. And, you know, there's not a lot of low end on that album. <laughs> That's a Which, like, but it still is, uh, you know, maybe holds up as one of the best heavy metal songs of all time to this day. Mm -hmm. Definitely one of Black Sabbath's best songs. And uh, it's just got this sparse instrumentation. It's just drums, bass, and guitar. And uh, I, I love this song. I still listen to it a bunch. Yeah, I mean, I do think Cake's version is superior, um, <laughs> having heard both on this episode. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I think that's jam, probably dude, my favorite uh, Black Sabbath song. And it's like uh, there is a tragedy in old heavy metal in that uh, the the way <laughs> the way that music has progressed it, when you listen to those old tracks, they seem so tame in mm -hmm. their production. Yeah. Where you're just like, this was the fucking hugest song in your mind, and then you listen to it, and it's like, ding, 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 ding. And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is like actually kind of a quiet song yeah. by today's standards. How quaint. Yeah, it's like when uh, you watch old Seinfeld, and you're like, oh, these are hacky, and you're like, no, everyone's ripping these off. <laughs> like, yeah, they were the first. <laughs> it kind of makes me, you know, I've been listening to more, I've been getting back to listening to more recordings that, you know, were just made with uh, consoles and tape machines. And there's just a realism and a humanness to it that kind of disappeared, obviously, with the advent of, you know, multi-track digital recording. And I think something kind of got lost in the process. Yeah. And uh, because, you know, you can just construct these these sonic universes that are completely, you know, just... Um, contrived. Contrived and removed from reality in a certain way. Yeah. Which like, you know, it it has its thing, but uh, there's something about these old recordings and it just being a few guys in a room. It's kind of like Van Halen 1 yeah. kind of had the same thing going on. Yeah, there's something live kept capturing that lightning in a bottle. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful stuff. We should uh record the podcast on tape machine. We should. We should. <laughs> see, see what <laughs> essence we're missing. <laughs> we use so many effects on this podcast and it's it's, true. it's kind of atrocious. This isn't my real voice. Everyone should know that. <laughs> we should know. There's a only lot of two people tuning. on the podcast. One of one of the hosts is completely uh, invented. <laughs> oh, guys, um, good good picnicy. Yeah, thank you, Caleb. Uh, that is the soundtrack to Tank Girl. Yeah. Tank Girl! Tank Girl, baby. Do not watch it. No, come on. <laughs> if you tuned in because you like Tank Girl, I'll defend it for you. <laughs> I'm looking find on... Me, uh, find the email. Talk on, to me on Instagram. On Amazon, it looks like there is one copy of the vinyl 
record for the Tangrel soundtrack available, and it's got five star reviews. Hey, okay. hey, send it to us. Great soundtrack. Um, next week we do have a special Christmas edition. Also, maybe not a great movie, but we'll see. Is that your pick? Kayla? That is my pick. <laughs> I'm scared already. I'm looking forward to it. It's another Halloweeny Christmas film. <laughs> Spooky Christmas. <laughs> All right, thanks, listeners, for sticking with us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.